words this morning that are um, not necessarily related to the sermon, but we were, we've been blessed for the last several months and even a few years now to have Stephen Darcy Horn be a part of the church here. I know that they didn't want me to say anything, but I'm going to say something anyway. Um, they've been a blessing to our community group, been a part of our community group since the beginning. They've been the host of our community group for several months now. Um, Steve came to know the Lord, uh, I think, through the ministry in, in ways and was baptized here at the church. And Darcy has known the Lord for years. And they were married uh, through the church in ways and um, just been exciting to watch them grow in the Lord and grow together as a couple. And they're moving and um, they're going to be, this is going to be their last Sunday here with us. And I don't need to tell you where they're moving because everybody already knows where they're moving. <laughs> if I had to give everybody a guess, they would all probably say Idaho. They're moving to Idaho. And so we're going to miss them. But we want to uh, just let them know how blessed, blessed uh, how much of a blessing they have been to us. And we appreciate them and are going to be praying for them. I'd encourage you to be praying for them. God would lead them to a good church where they can be ministered to by the uh, church family. We need, we need each other. We'll look at that a little bit this morning, actually, in our text. We need each other. And uh, people need the church to be strengthened, to be equipped, to be uh, encouraged. And uh, Steve and Darcy are no different. They're going to need a church to come alongside of them. And so we want to pray for them, hold them up before the Lord. We want to encourage you guys as you go that we love you and uh, appreciate all that you've meant to us and know that God has a special uh, purpose for you in Idaho that's going to be um, probably far beyond what you can, can imagine or think. And so just be usable for him. Yeah. Let's pray for them uh, this morning. Thank you so much, Lord. For this, for this day, um, as Ron has already mentioned, the beauty of the day, and uh, we, the sun is shining, it's a cool morning, and we are, we're just so blessed by um, what you've created. We're blessed even more so by your presence in our life, by the salvation that you have provided for each one of us, and um, we're thankful for Steve and Darcy um, being here with us for the time that you have allowed them to be here with us, and now... Lord, you're moving them to another location in which you will use them there as well. And we pray that you will be with them in the journey, that you'll strengthen and encourage them as they go. Pray that you would lead them, Lord God, to a good church where they're at. They can be encouraged. Um, they can be uh, taught and um, strengthened in the word and, and in the community of the church. And be used, Lord, as well, to encourage another pastor that they're going to go um, sit under his ministry, that they could encourage another pastor and be a blessing to him as they have been to me. And so I just thank you for them. Pray that you would be with them. Pray that you would be with our service this morning as well, that um, your Holy Spirit would guide your word and make it uh, clear uh, through me, the messenger. Pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds as well to receiving it and that um, we'll be different. Lord, we'll be just a little bit closer to you in this season. We'll give you the thanks and the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's read our text together. The Bible tells us, <coughs> excuse me, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 13 now, May the God of peace who brought you from the who, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see if with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints, those who come from Italy, send you greetings. Grace be with you all. Grace be with all of you. And then we have just the closing out of the book of Hebrews. And this morning we will close out our study in the book of Hebrews, possibly. Um, next week, I will have a closing, capturing 
message or concluding message, but we'll see how the Lord leads. Inevitably, in life, everyone needs an opportunity to reset, a time to be repaired, a time to be refreshed, a time to be refocused, and a time to be, a time to be retooled. This is especially true for Christians as we face many challenges in life. As we look at the world and as we are persecuted and we struggle to stand for what is right and we go through challenges like the uh, Hebrew people that are being written about here in the book of Hebrews facing uh, great turmoil uh, over their um, spiritual condition. Their salvation is challenged throughout the book, but not just their salvation, their perseverance in, in the faith. They're, they're standing firm, they're standing true, they're standing faithful on the Word of God. This is why it is so important as Christians that we have this time of being refueled or retooled for the glory of God. The term that, that we will place a lot of our emphasis on this morning that really the whole text surrounds is the term, term equip in the middle of this verse, that the Lord will equip you. And this term means to reset us. It means to, to uh, refresh us. It means to retool us. It's a point that can be pictured by three different analogies. If you can picture an athlete that's in a, an event and that athlete comes to a point where he's just too tired to compete any longer or, or maybe he's injured there's a time he might, coach might call a timeout or just simply might send in a, another player for him, but that athlete has to come out of the game so that his injuries can be treated and he can be retooled for competition. He can be ready to go out and compete again. Another analogy that goes along with the picture of this term, um, equip, is the analogy of a soldier. A soldier who's out on the field and they're fighting vigilantly and they're fighting for things that are important and valuable. And in the spiritual realm, we, 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 we have many battles. But this soldier and we as Christians, we get weary and tired, don't we? We, we, take, we? we take hits and we get injured as Christians. And the picture here is that the soldier at some point has to come off the battlefield. When they come off the battlefield, their wounds have to be treated. Their bones have to be reset. Something has to happen to restore them, if you will, in a physical way. Not only do they have to be restored, but they also have to be retooled. Um, their weapons are checked. Their um, number of, of, of bullets that they carry with them is restored. Um, their grenades are replenished. Everything about them as they have this time of, of being reset is important to prepare them to go back out to battle. And that's what the author of Hebrews is doing is he's written these people, this, this, he calls it a short letter, but this 13-chapter letter, or he's preaching this 13-chapter um, encouragement to them, challenge to them, and now he's preparing to send them back out into the field to fight to send them back out into the battle, and he gives them this last admonition, if you will, this last admonition that this resetting is important, this retooling is important if we're going to do what God has called us to do. The other analogy that's picturesque about this term is a fisherman, a fisherman who's gone out and fished for perhaps many hours and maybe in many cases for many days. It's necessary at some point that that fisherman has to come off the water. They have to remend their nets. They can't continue to fish with the same nets without them experiencing some mending. They not only have to remend their nets, but they have to refresh their bait and, and, and retool their, their toolboxes. If any of you have ever been fishing before, you know that you, you lose a lot of stuff when you're out there on the water. And there's a time and a place where you have to come back in off the water and you have to have your uh, tackle replenished. You have to refresh your bait. You have to mend up your nets. This is the, this is the theme, this is the focus of this verse here is a, a focus of being reset. It's a focus on being re replenished or refreshed or retooled. It's not just true about athletes. It's not just true about soldiers. It's not just true about fishermen. But the reality is this morning is the need for being reset is a universal fact. We all need a, 
a time of being reset, don't we? We all need a moment of refreshing. We all need to be retooled. It is a universal fact. The reality of it is this morning is that many of us who are listening to this sermon this morning are spiritually fatigued. We're, we're injured. We've been in the battle for a long time. We're, we're weary. We're tired. We're injured. We've, we've, we're perhaps even at the very end of ourselves. We've depleted all of our weapons. We've depleted all of our, all of our, all of our, all of our, all of our um, goods that we have. The food that we eat, all of it is, is is just depleted. We have nothing left to offer. We, and yet we need to continue. The end is near. The Lord's return is, is could be even at the door, and 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 He needs us to be active in 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 the work of the Lord, and we He needs us to be to be to be focused on what we're doing, but. But we're tired and, and we're weary and we're frustrated and we're fatigued and we're hurting and we're in uh, all of these things are, are true about many of us. Most of us sitting in this uh, outside worship center are hurting. Many of you this morning that are watching on video, you're hurting in some way, spiritually facing something that you haven't found a way to overcome. Perhaps this morning you're struggling because of the pandemic. Maybe it's the division and the conflict that we're facing right now in our politics. And even as that politic division and frustration infiltrates it itself into the church, maybe we're frustrated by a financial situation or a relationship that's not going the way that it should. Maybe we're wearied by family problems. The kids aren't doing what they're supposed to do. My husband doesn't love me as he ought. My wife is not submitting to me, and I'm tired, and I'm weary, and, and things are at the, at, the, at the end. They're at the, the climax, and things are getting ready to stop happening. And this is what he's encouraging them to do, is to, 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 to be reset. Family problems, doubts, fears, frustrations, a number of different things that can bring us to this place of needing to be reset. I know as I was working through preparing this message this week, I was reminded of how much I need to be reset, of how much I need to push the reset button on my life and, and refocus and, and retool and, and refresh and, and get ready again so that I can do the, the Lord's work with a smile on my face and with joy in my heart. Listen, it's not just about doing what the Lord asks us to do. It's about doing it with the right heart. It's about a passion for Christ. This morning, you may not be able to put your finger on why you're weary. You may not be able to determine or describe or, or tell somebody why you're so frustrated or why you're so tired or, or why you're injured. You may not be able to describe it. But you know in your heart of hearts that there's something there's something right now in your life that has wearied you. And you know in your heart of hearts that, it is, that a reset is necessary if you're going to endure mentally, relationally, spiritually, and or physically. We have seen in, in this season of, we've seen in this season of our, of our in our culture, in our, in our state, in our world, we've seen an increase in people taking their own lives. They, haven't, they don't have what it takes to continue. This is a reset. This is a time where we need to reset. If you're here this morning and you're willing to acknowledge that you need a reset, I have good news for you. Hebrews 13, verse 20 through 25, which I just read to you, is a prayer for us to reset. And in this prayer for us to reset, the author of Hebrews gives us three principles, three important principles that we can, we can learn, we can embrace, and it will help us to reset. I want to just give you those this morning. It's the physician. If you're taking notes, it's the physician, the process, and the purpose of resetting. The physician, who do we go to when we need to be reset? Who do we go to when we need to be reset, Right? The guy that comes off the field with the broken leg better go to the right doctor. He doesn't go to the water boy because he needs to have his bones reset. He needs to go to the physician to get his bones reset. The guy that comes off the field who is tired and weary and his, all of his faculties are in place, but, he's, but he's, 
he's lacking water, needs to go to the water boy and get replenished. You need to go to the right place to get replenished. What can we do? What is the process that we go through? What is the tools that are used to replenish us? And then the last, then lastly this morning is what are the, what is the purpose of being replenished? Why do we even need to be replenished? Isn't it, wouldn't, wouldn't it be just great just to quit? Just to throw in the towel? Just to say, I've, I've had enough of the Christian life. I've had enough of Christians. I've had enough of the church. I've had enough of the culture. I've had enough of all this stuff. Why not just quit? There's, there's a reason why we just can't, there's a reason why we can't do that. If you think about it, it's fairly logical. The soldier can't quit fighting the war because there's a war going on. The athlete can't come out of the game and say, I'm not going back into the game because his teammates need him in the game. Right? And the same principle is true about us as Christians. We can't quit because there's a battle going on. There's a war going on. There is a war going on, a war for the faith of mankind. There's a war going on, and our teammates need us. Our soldiers in the, in the, in the um, foxholes need us to be faithful. So let's look at our text this morning. Primarily, verse number 20 will, will really uh, expound for us where we're at in regards to who and what and, and why we need a reset. So first of all, the physician, who do we go to to be reset? He says in verse number 20, Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. So the author of Hebrews is, is approaching God. Uh, he's, he's approaching God. He's, he's appealing to God. He's praying to God for this reset. He's praying to God for this equipping. He's praying to God for this refreshing. He's praying for this, to God for this restoration. So the author is presenting to us right off the bat that who do we go to when we need to be refreshed? Who do we go to when we need to be equipped? Who do we go to when we need to be restored? Who do we go to when we need to be mended spiritually? Who do we go to? We go to God. God is the one who is capable of bringing that restoration to us. He's the, capable, he's the one who is capable of resetting us. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2, in verse 12 and 13, and I'm just going to turn there. If you want to join me, you're welcome to. Philippians 2, in verse 12, you're likely familiar with this passage of Scripture. The Bible says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both the will and the ability to do what is his good pleasure. So what he says to us, again, he's telling us to work out in Philippians, and he says, but you don't work out something that God has not worked in. And what Hebrews is telling us is to go to the one who is able to work those things in us. Go to the one who is able to work in us what we need to work out of us. It's interesting also that he not only talks about um, him as the physician or as the one who can do these things, but it's important to remember that it is God's character, it is God's nature to work these things out. He calls him the God of peace. In, in other words, what the author, what the preacher is saying here is what you need, church, is you need peace, right? We need peace. And, and literally, folks, the reality of it is the greatest problem amongst, the greatest problem that causes the most weariness in the Christian faith is the lack of internal peace. It's the lack of peace on the inside, that only God can give. And it's so amazing because he points us right away to the fact that you are, you are coming to, you are presenting your problems to the God of peace. In other words, it is his character. It is his nature to bring about that peace. So God is the person behind our reset. He is the, he is the essence of our reset. Okay, he is our reset. When he says the God of peace, what he's saying is, is that God, 
you are peace and peace is what I need. So what, does, what is the author telling them to do? To have, to have peace by having, by having God. To have peace by having God. You need peace. You need, you need to be settled, but you don't get that peace without having the Prince of Peace. And who is the Prince of Peace? None other than Jesus Christ. So he's going to the one whose essence is the things that mankind needs. Think about it this way. We lack peace. God is peace. We lack wisdom. God is wisdom. We lack hope. God is hope. We lack strength. God is strength. We lack righteousness. God is righteousness. We lack boldness. God is boldness. And we can go on and on and on and describe the character of God. And listen to me, folks. The more we know the character of God, the more we know what is available to Christians for living. When we go to God, can we go to him in such a specific way that we know that his character fits perfectly with our problem? Do we know that? This is why the Bible says if we ask anything in his name, right? If we ask anything in his name, he will do it. Is that a promise that we have? Why is it that when we ask God things and we say, in Jesus' name, it doesn't happen? Because it's not in line with his character. This author can say, I need peace, God, and you are the God of peace. He tells us in James, he says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him, what? Let him ask of God. Why? Because God is wisdom. If anyone lacks righteousness, what do we do? We, we go to the one who is righteous. He is the essence. God is the essence of everything that you and I need. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30, the Bible says, speaking of Christ, He has become for us righteousness and peace. And there's three things there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to draw a blank, so I'm going to run over there with, with you if you want to join me. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Listen to what he says. The very last, or next to the last verse. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. In, in other words, all of the things that we need we find in Christ. Can I submit to you this morning, this is a reality for many of us, we go to Christ and we ask him for things that don't tune with his character. God, give me a new car. God, give me a new house. God, give me this. God, give me that. They're not in tune with his character. And then he doesn't give them to us. And so what do we do? We question his character. The author was so in tune with God's character, he could say, God, give me peace because you are the God of peace. God, give me righteousness because you are the God of righteousness. It doesn't say, God, give me abundance because you are the God of abundance. It is the essence of his character. It's knowing his character that puts us in tune to know that we will receive what we ask from him. God is not only the essence or the person behind, he's not only the essence or the person behind our reset, but number two, he is the power behind our reset. Watch what he says here. He says, who, okay, I pray to the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, there's nothing that he's not capable of doing. He, he points this out and brings this up to show us that, that there's, he reset someone's life. Is there a greater reset than that? Is there a greater reset than somebody's lying in their grave and the Lord says, come out? How big of a reset is that? That's a pretty major reset, isn't it? He points it out to us to let us know that there's no one and there's nothing that God cannot reset. His power is extraordinary. His power is, is he is omniscient. He is omnipotent, meaning that he knows everything and he has power over everything. To, the power to reset us is paralleled in Scripture to the power of the resurrection. Ephesians chapter number 1. If you want to join me there, you're welcome to as well. I'd love to 
hear the pages ruffle as we or rustle as we go to these different passages. Ephesians 1 verse 18 says this, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you that are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. What is the immeasurable greatness of the power towards those who believe? Listen, he says, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Oh, to see that the Lord has the power to reset us. He has the power to restore us. He has the power to refresh refresh us. He has the power to replenish us. He has the power to retool us. In the same way that he can take somebody who is dead, who has no power of their own, and raise them from the grave like he did with Lazarus, he can reset us. We don't even have to be dead to experience this reset. Listen, this morning, folks, some of you are are dead spiritually. And I'm not talking about lost. I'm talking about dead spiritually. You're weary. You're worn out. You're laying there on the field. You've been shot several times. You haven't closed your eyes for the last time, but you're sure close to doing it. You're ready to give up and you're ready to quit. Listen to me. Jesus is able to reset you. And he, can not, only, he not only can reset you, but man, he can reuse you. He can restore you. He can refresh you. God is not only the person behind our reset, but he's the power behind our reset. You'll notice, number three, that God is the provider behind our reset. He points out the fact that he is the great shepherd, the great shepherd. We know that he's the good shepherd from John chapter number 10, right? We love the good shepherd, but he's not just the good shepherd, is he? He's the great shepherd. You know what the great shepherd does? The great shepherd leads the sheep through the resetting. The great shepherd is close to the sheep during the resetting time. The great shepherd cares for the sheep, encourages the sheep. The great shepherd uh, provides for the sheep, protects the sheep during that time of resetting. As a matter of fact, if you study the scriptures, you will find that there's no closer time that the shepherd has to the sheep than in a time of difficult challenges, in the time of resetting. They put them on their shoulders. They're just so intimate with them. They're so close to them. Because that's the time of resetting. We need that. We need to be reset. Not only is he the person behind our reset, the power behind our reset, he is the provider behind our reset, and he is the payment behind our reset. In other words, he is the reason why we are being reset. There's no, there is, there is no resetting for anybody. There is no Lazarus coming out of the grave. There is no us coming from death in sin to resurrection in Christ unless Christ Jesus died for our sins. The payment and the price for your reset, if you're not a Christian this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, He offers you salvation freely. He offers you salvation freely. And He offers you salvation freely. He says, I will reset your life. I will give you a new birth and a new beginning. And he does it not based upon what you do or have done. He does it based upon what Jesus Christ has done for you. Listen to me. If you're not saved this morning, Jesus Christ is offering you a reset based upon his own blood. If you are saved this morning, Jesus Christ is offering you a reset based upon his own blood. We need that, folks. We need to be restored. We need to be passionate. We need to be excited about what God is doing and what God has done. We cannot be, we cannot be, we cannot be like the church at Ephesus. We cannot be indifferent. We cannot be loveless. We cannot be passionless about the things of God. He is the payment behind our reset. He says that now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. By the blood of the eternal covenant. These are all the physician. This is who the physician is. Go to, go to the Lord. He is capable. He is able to restore you. He is able to refresh you. He is able to reset you. He's able to replenish you. He's able to retool you, and he's able to reuse you. I love that. So thankful 
I'm so thankful that God is able to do that. I am not usable on my own merits, but I serve a God who is capable of taking a hump of junk, right, and using it for something. Apostle Paul is a great example of that. Calls his life before conversion, calls it pile of dung. That's what he calls it, Philippians. But God can take that and God can use it. Listen to what he says. He goes on here. He says, not only do we have the, um, not only do we have the practitioner or the physician, but the process. He says that they might equip you with everything good. The process is, is God equipping us. He's equipping us with everything good. The process is the mending of the nets, the resetting of the bones, the bandaging of the wounds, the replenishing of our energy, the restoring of our passion, the retooling of our equipment. And all of these are parts of the resetting process. And here's what he does to do that. Let me, let me just show you a few other references. If you want to you journey with me, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. There are five things in... There are five times that this word, the Greek word for reset, is used in the New Testament. All I want to do is look at those five times really quickly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10. These are means by which God resets us or tools that God uses to reset us. If you're tired this morning, if you're weary this morning, if you're worn out this morning, if you're ready to quit this morning, then listen to me. These are five things that you can do that will help you to reset. God uses means, folks. I know we would love just for a lightning bolt to strike out of the sky and we're just, re, we're just re-impassioned, right? That would be the, right? That's what we want. God uses tools. So there's five times that this, that this term is used and I want you to see what we can learn from that. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3, in verse number 10, the Bible says, As we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. The first thing that we see, we also see it over here in Hebrews 13, is prayer is a means by which God restores his people. It is getting on our faces before God. It is crying out to Him. It is acknowledging that we have weaknesses and frailties, acknowledging that we're tired and weak, but it is praying. He says here that they pray day and night. For what reason? To restore them of the things that they were lacking. To supply the things that they were lacking. What did they do when they needed something? They went to God and, got, and, and prayed about it. I, I love the story of... of um, George Mueller, who was, a, 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 I think, a missionary of sorts. He, he planted a, or, or established a bunch of orphanages and things of that nature. But he was a man who said, I never, and I think the story goes, the, his, his story goes that he had millions of dollars passed through his hands in his lifetime to feed people, but he never asked anyone for anything. His story was when he needed something, he prayed about it. He tells a story of sitting down at a table with a bunch of orphans and praying and thanking God for a meal that they did not have. And within minutes, outside of their, outside of their building, there was an accident and a milk truck and a bread truck were involved or something. I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing it. But they had bread and milk on their table within minutes of praying and thanking God for something that they did not have. Listen, the Bible says, let us, not be, let, us, let us not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and by, by oh man, and prayer and supplications with, with what? With thanksgiving. They thanked God for something they did not have. Do you know what they knew? They knew that God was a God sufficient and God would supply their needs. Prayer, night and day. You're weary, get on your face before God. You're tired, get on your face before God. Do business with the one who can change you from the inside out. Not only is prayer, but 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Um, if you want to turn there with me, just a few pages to your right.
The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be, what? May be complete. He may be equipped for every good work. We need to be restored. We go to prayer. We go to the Word of God. It's not just the reading of God's Word that we need. We need to study it, and we need to meditate on it. Psalms chapter number 1, the Bible says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but he meditates on the law of God day and night. You need to be reset this morning. You need to get into the Word. It is the tool that God has ordained to equip you, to retool you for every good work. Number three, Galatians chapter number six. Galatians chapter number six, the Bible says to us, verse number one, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. Same word here, restore him in a spirit of gentleness. We not only need prayer and the study of God's word, but we need others. We need other believers to be, to be accountable to, but not just to be accountable to, but other believers to help us be restored. Other believers to encourage us in the restoration process. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter number 2 where the Apostle Paul encourages the people of Corinth to restore the man who just, just uh, a season ago was being rebuked for some great sin. And now he's being restored and the Lord encourages them. Or the Apostle Paul through his word encourages them that they need to, be, they need to restore him, to reset him, to refresh him. The Lord uses prayer. The Lord uses meditation, uh, um, study and meditation on the word. The Lord uses other believers. The Lord uses the church. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the, for the, for the equipping of the saints, if you will. The church is necessary. The church is not optional. If we need to be refreshed, if you need to be refreshed, come to the Lord's house. Yes, we meet in an alley, but listen, the fellowship that you experience, the interaction and the connection that you experience in God's people and the Spirit of God is, is necessary if you're going to be reset. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, my week was just going so bad that I couldn't go to church. And my comment was, that's where you need to be. That's where you need to be. When things are not going well, it's not escape the church. It's like, I'm sick, so I'm not going to go to the doctor. No, you're sick, go to the doctor. You're discouraged, go to the Lord's house. Go be around God's people. You need to be equipped, you need to be uplifted, you need to be encouraged. God has given us the church, the community of believers for that reason. This is the means that God has given us to retool and reset. And then the last thing is his suffering in 1 Peter Chapter number 5, he tells us this. Another time in which this is used. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, the Bible says, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore you, comfort, strengthen, and establish you. I believe that sometimes suffering is what... I believe that sometimes suffering is the tool that God uses to show us that we need to be reset. I think these other things, prayer, ministry with others, the church, um, uh, the Word of God are, are, are the tools that God uses to restore us. I think suffering is the tool that God uses to show us that we need to be restored. How often do, do we know that we need to be restored unless we're going through something difficult and we see, I'm discouraged, I'm depressed, I'm weary. I don't enjoy the Lord's work anymore. I don't like, I don't look forward to going to church on Sunday mornings anymore. We don't see that and we don't know that about ourselves. Listen, the Lord is not causing, the suffering does not cause us to become depressed and discouraged. The suffering reveals the discouragement and the depression. The, the suffering is a tool that God gives us so that we can see that there's something wrong inside of us. And then we can take those other four things and say, listen, I'm going to do something about this. 
I'm going to get in the Word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be around other believers. I'm going to be the church house. I'm going I'm to get through this by the power of the one who is able to deliver me from it. Suffering is a tool that God uses to bring us to restoration. Who do we look to when we need to be reset? We, need, we look to God who is the resetter. Amen? He is the resetter. What, do we, what is the process we go through? How do we get reset? It's through the word. It's through prayer. It's through other believers. It's through the church. And it's through suffering. The last thing this morning is the purpose. Look with me at this text again. He says... He says very clearly, equip you to every good work so that you might do what? So that you might do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to him be glory forever and ever. Notice this, God resets us for these reasons. Number one, God resets us so that we can do his will. God resets us so that we can do his will. God is not going to reset you so that you can do your will. If your mind, listen to me, folks, the reason we need to be reset often is because we're focused on whom? That's right. The reason we need to be reset is because we're focused on us. God is not going to reset us so that we can focus on ourselves more. God will reset us for his work. God will reset us for his will to be accomplished. God will reset us for his good. That's what he says here. He says, so that, reset me, retool me, Lord, refresh me so that I can do your will. Not so that I can do my will, so I can do your will. Not only that, he goes on to say, in the latter parts, he says, that I can do your will, that I can do that which brings you pleasure. Not only does God not reset us so that we can do our own will, but he does not reset us so that we can have our own pleasure. He does it so that we can bring pleasure to him. I think sometimes it's difficult to understand because we serve such an extraordinary God that we almost almost depersonalize him, that God can actually have pleasure, that there's something that God can enjoy, that there's something that can happen in this life that God will look down from heaven on and smile at. We depersonalize him, and God is saying no. I will reset you so that you can do the things that are pleasing to me. The Bible says in Psalm 147 and verse 11, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. The Lord takes pleasure. The Lord will retool you. The Lord will restore you. The Lord will re-equip you. The Lord will refresh you so that you can bring pleasure to him. And listen to me this morning. This is so important to get. When you are living for God's pleasure, it's the best thing in the world for you. You can't live for you. But when you are living for God's pleasure, when you are living for God's joy, it will be the best thing in the world for you. That's why he says in, in, in Romans, 5, Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are doing his purpose. what is pleasing in his sight. So what's the purpose of resetting us? Number one, that we do his will for his purposes. Number two, it's for his pleasure. And number three, it is for his praise. He says at the very end, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Everything that God does, remember this, everything that God does is for his glory. Everything that God does is for his glory. And you know something? His glory is the best thing that could happen to humanity. John Piper says it this way, we can live for, our, we can live for God and be living for our own joy, but we must be living with the purpose of living for God because when we live for God, we are experiencing our own joy. We are increasing our own joy. That was a complete paraphrase. (laughs) But you get the picture. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whether you eat or drink, going down to the very nuts and bolts, whether you eat and drink, 
Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. When God resets a people, when God restores a people, when God retools a people, when God refreshes a people, do you know why he's doing it? It's for his glory. It's so that we can reflect on him of how amazing a God he is. It's for his glory. God resets, refuels, and retools us for his purpose, pleasure, and praise. The proposition this morning is very simple. Four things. Number one, acknowledge this morning that you need to be reset. 1 John 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's okay this morning to admit that you're tired, to admit that you're frustrated, to admit that you've been injured and that you're depleted and you have nothing left to give. It's okay to admit that because, because why? Because acknowledgement is often what leads us to help, healing, and recovery. It is when we refuse to acknowledge where we're at that we must continue to face where we're at because what God is doing is bringing us to the point of acknowledgement. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, if you hide your sins, you will face God's judgment. But if you confess them, you will face his mercy and his grace. Acknowledge that you are in need this morning of being spiritually reset. If you're not saved, if you don't know Christ as your savior, you need the ultimate reset. And Jesus Christ is up to the task. He can reset the darkest of sinners. He can reset the worst of sinners. He can reset those who are so far gone that we could never imagine them being reset. Jesus Christ is capable of resetting you. Listen to me. Acknowledge that you're a sinner and you need to be reset. And I can guarantee you that Jesus Christ is merciful and gracious and he will reset you. If you're here this morning or watching online and you're a Christian, you need to acknowledge that you're needing some resetting some restoring, some refueling, some retooling. Acknowledgement leads us to help, leads us to healing, and leads us to recovery. Number two, go in prayer. Go in prayer to the Lord. Trust the one who is merciful and gracious, has the power to raise the dead, has a shepherd's heart, and has sufficiently paid for our sins. Go to him Go to the one who will wrap his arms around you and care for you like no one's business. Go to him. He is capable of giving you what you need. Number three, act on the means that God has provided. Prayer, the word, the church, other believers, and suffering. Act on these things. When people say to the Lord sometimes, I want to be restored, Acting on his means shows him how seriously you want to be restored. Act upon him. And then lastly, accept him as central. One common cause of, one common cause of spiritual frustration, weariness, injury, and depletion is man-centeredness. And one solution to man-centeredness is God-centeredness. It's Christ-centeredness. It's turning our eyes off of ourselves and turning our eyes on Jesus. Turn your heart to Christ this morning. His plan, His purposes, His pleasure, and His praise. And I will guarantee you that you will experience a reset. The old song that we used to sing in, in, in the old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let's pray together. Father, we, we need you this morning. We need you to provide us the heart to acknowledge where we're at, to accept, Lord God, that we need some refueling. We need some refreshing. We need some retooling. We need some restoring. Uh, we need some redeeming. We need all of these things, Lord, from you. You're the source of these things. It is your character and your nature to provide them for us. So we pray that you would give us the heart to confess and acknowledge where we're at. You'd give us the humility to come to you and to request these things as a part of your nature and to receive them by faith as your indwelling spirit has provided all of these things for us. 
We pray that you would help us to, to press into the means that you have provided for us. And then, Lord, ultimately, may our lives be devoted to you, to your glory, to your praise, to your purposes and your plans. May our lives be devoted to you. And if there's anyone that's here that's not saved, Lord God, I pray that you would open their hearts this morning to salvation, Lord. But in addition to that, I pray so much, Lord God, because I know my own heart and I know that I struggle and that I feel weary, even now, weary and tired and, 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 and frustrated and, and just all of the things that are going on in the world have just brought this about and, and revealed things in my heart. And Lord God, I pray that you would reset me, you would restore me, replenish me, refuel me, O oh God, for your work. Reclaim me for your glory. Lord God, use me for your praise and your worship. And I just thank you and I pray that you would do that in the hearts of all of us this morning, that we would be a different people because of your word and because of your grace. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. So, you're dismissed. Appreciate you all coming out this morning, those of you who are online. And um, come back next week. I'm going to have something special. The last verse, I'm not going to preach an exposition on the last verse because it's, so, it's pretty simple. Like, take seriously what I just said is pretty much the emphasis of it. So, uh, I'm not going to focus on it completely, but I, I think I'm going to do something a little bit unique next week. So, if you want to come back and see, I'm just kind of sparking the the energy, but we'll do something a little bit different next week. So Lord bless you.